0: Okay, so you we know that you and I have a lot in common, right? Yeah. We're both Harry Potter nerds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. No, me neither. <laughs> I'm proud. We both love Steven Universe. Hell yeah. Also proud of that. Mm. We both love baking stuff.
1: Oh, uh, British Bake Show for Life.
0: Okay. Yes. And we're both hosts of the same podcast. Yes, but there
1: is a key difference between us, actually, as hosts. Mm. So you're full-time at KUOW, and I'm a freelancer. I actually live in L.A. these days. And there are so many things I love about being a freelancer. Like, one, I get to choose to spend time on things that I believe in, like fighting sexism with (laughs) BTSW. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite, for real. And, frankly, full-time jobs just still don't have enough vacation time. Like, we got to work on that, America. It's it's absolutely wild to me that we only get two weeks to work on ourselves a year,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, it's weird, that's fair. another like sparkly perk of freelancing <sighs> is that I don't have to go to all those meetings that you have to go to, Jeannie. Oh, yeah.
0: you know, I do go mm-hmm. to a lot of meetings, don't I? For real, for you do.
1: <laughs> I feel like whenever we're, we're we're connecting, it's like I'll be there in the three minutes between the meetings that uh, I live in. Um, <laughs> and let's be right real, like right now, I need that flexibility because I'm raising my son,
0: yeah. I mean, obviously, you can tell that I I agree with you. And t- if I'm com- being completely honest, there are times when, you know, you say, like, I can't make that phone call. I can't do that thing because I'm at the pool with my son, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, like, dang, it's 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. I would love to be at the pool with my kid right now For instead real. of in this conference room, you know. And also, mm-hmm. I have to say something. I know you think you're bad at keeping track of everything. but Terrible. Terrible. I I don't agree with you. I feel like you do it all really well. Like, that's how I'm perceiving it. I don't oh, even... thank you. <laughs> honest to God, because I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could keep track of everything as well as it seems like you do. I very, very, very much need structure and predictability. And overall, there are not a ton of variables in my everyday life. I know where I'm supposed to go every day. I know how long my commute usually is. And generally speaking... I know how many meetings I'm going to be in each day, generally speaking.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, though. So having to be the boss of your whole life is really, really hard. I'm the manager and the whole staff. (sighs) Nothing can fall through the cracks without the fingers pointing right back at me. Also, (laughs) insurance would be really nice. It would be really nice to have some insurance. (laughs) Oh, oh. And if this makes you feel any better, when I do have meetings, no one is usually paying me.
0: Oh, that is a totally valid, valid point. So how do you prepare to work for yourself, to be the manager and the whole staff at the same time? uh, You're still talking to me. Okay, if
1: if we're talking about me, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) I didn't do anything to prepare. Like, sometimes I still
0: wonder if I'm still prepared. What am I doing? (laughs) Well, let's talk to somebody who has some answers, huh? Oh, When you talk like that, I can't say no. (laughs) This is BTSW. Battle tactics for your sexist workplace. I'm Eula Scott bynum and I'm Jeannie Yandel. Eula, do you know the name Celeste Hudley?
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where
0: do you know her from?
1: For me, it's from the amazing podcast seen on radio, which I usually spell out for all my friends. Yes, um, mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> they have a they have a series called Men. About masculinity, and oh my gosh, it just was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. What about you?
0: I feel like I have known the name Celeste Headley for a really long time. She's kind of a legend in public radio. She is hosted and reported all over, and she did this great TED Talk about having better conversations. Which will save this planet. Oh, yes. And then kind of the big thing that I knew her for is she was, for a while, the co-host of this national show called The Takeaway. Um, But it was not a great situation for her. Celeste says that her then co-host John Hockenberry was abusive.
1: Right. And she wasn't the only person that said that. I mean, that guy doesn't host the show anymore because a bunch of women said similar things about him.
0: That is true. Yeah. And Celeste says that experience on The Takeaway was part of why she decided to become a freelancer. She doesn't call it freelancing, though.
2: I often say I am my own boss now. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) which is how I see
2: freelancing. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to freelancing for a different reason, but the end result always is, is that you're finally in charge of yourself for good or
1: ill.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So freelancing hasn't been the bulk of your career. You used to have a job co-hosting the show Takeaway, the Takeaway, excuse me, a national public radio show. And what were you dealing with there? Oh, so, um, I mean, I guess I might as well talk
2: about it since it's headline news. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, that was a, three years of my life that was, you know, it was pure hell. Um, I was co-hosting with John Hockenberry. He's a veteran in the business. He's someone that I had respected and looked up to until I worked with him. And he's just abusive. I, d- I was unaware of the sexual harassment and sexual assault I didn't know that was going on. It was happening to people who were lower in rank um, That doesn't excuse it I'm just saying I didn't know it was going on, but I did know that I was bullied and Harassed on a daily basis and ended up losing my job to John um, and that both of my friends and um, Very esteemed colleagues for I and adora Udoji had experienced the same thing so um, after I left the takeaway I basically became a freelancer you know in fact my whole career when I was at NPR they never once put me on salary Mm. oh wow they I was a contractor always and and when I say on salary you're on salary you know because you have a contract but I mean you're a contract employee um so that whole time years and years and years and years I I had to always make sure they had re-upped my contract so I didn't lose my health benefits every time
1: So, you know, it's kind of like, what do you mean by freelancer, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. right. So why exactly would you say you decided to work for yourself? You
2: know, there's a number of reasons Um, because it's a really tough choice, right? I had fantastic benefits at Georgia Public Broadcasting, same at NPR, Um, really Mm -hmm. good retirement, very strong health benefits, all that stuff. You're leaving security. So it is a tough decision, but... You know, in 2012, when I left The Takeaway and went to NPR as, as a basically full-time guest host, that was the first time in my 20-year career that I made was making the same as the men in my same job description. Mm. That was the first time. And then I got to Georgia Public Broadcasting and I went right back. I, w- I suddenly found myself making 20000 mm. less than the man Damn. in a similar position Um, and that there's, there's all kinds of people will, management will always explain all kinds of different reasons for that. And that's not why necessarily why I left GPB, but I wanted to have control over my own schedule. I wanted to be able to say when I was tired and needed to break, I wanted to have control over my own salary. And I wanted my investment in my own brand to reap benefits for me. Um, Instead of for a network, I mean, just uh, I'm a great boss (laughs) for myself. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'm the best boss I've ever had. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, I love that. that.
1: (laughs) Was sexism a part of why you decided to freelance?
2: Oh, of course. I, I mean, it's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, I don't, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't wreck it. I'm too light skinned for people to r- realize I'm a person of color. And when they do, they think I'm Dominican. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not just being a woman, but being a woman of color. It's just freaking exhausting.
0: Yeah. It
2: just feels like you're battling over everything. And, yeah. um, and it, it's not even it's goes beyond, you need to pick your battles. No, everything feels like a battle. And after 20 years of that,
1: I was like, I'm, you know, I I need a break. Yeah. Oh, I can hear that. You know, I was telling these guys earlier that I saw that you and my mom had the same birthday and my mom is like a serious workaholic. Uh And so I can only imagine the, like the amount of stress and like hardship that would have to like come on her plate and like, you know, tired for her to like really step down from something first.
2: So are you a believer in astrology?
1: Oh, I'm a huge believer and I mean as a, You guys as Capricorns it's like I understand Why I spend most of my life under her desk um, <laughs> Versus like You know anywhere else with her If I'm going to find her she's at work That's why I tell people if you're looking for her you know she's at work um, yeah, th- I'm
2: afraid my son would probably say the same thing. He says, I have yeah. trouble knowing how to relax, which is cu- basically what my second book that comes out next year is about, my struggle mm-hmm. to figure out how to relax. Um, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll pass it on to my mom. She's retired and working like full time right now. She just retired last year. Yeah. And, um, so, but yeah, you can appreciate how
2: many hours I must
1: have been working. Seriously. Yes. So, so now you're working for yourself. So that means you're not dealing with sexism or racism anymore, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Are you this hard on yourself? Like, is your new is your new boss mad? Mad, biased? <laughs> I would have to be independently wealthy
2: for that to mm. be true, right? I still have to work with clients. I still have to work with corporations. You know, I'm. St- I still have to engage on social media. I mean, what is more sexist and racist than that? Um mm-hmm. so you know I still deal with it all the time but it but the difference is is that those people they're they're the peanut gallery right they don't have control over my income or my schedule
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's so true. So were you surprised that you still have to deal with sexism even though you're working for yourself? I don't think I was surprised. I mean we we swim in sexist waters. We swim in racist waters. We yeah. we yeah. live in a racist and sexist society. Which means even if I'm retired i'm gonna have to deal with racism and sexism at the grocery store and filing my taxes etc 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 um exciting so no i wasn't surprised at all i but again the all they can do is fling words on me at words at me you know if i'm dealing with a client who is sexist which has not happened yet as somebody who's like virulently or 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 um sexist or racist to a degree that impacts my my state of mind if I were Mm -hmm. dealing with that I don't have to work with them
0: yeah yeah that's the beauty (laughs)
2: that's
0: a good point I mean how so where does that show up for you where does sexism and racism show up for you now that you're working for yourself aside from the fact that we're sort of you know it is impossible to get away from that Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you mean in my work life, not in my everyday life. Yeah, it comes exactly. up all the time in which um, it, it, people will already tend to try to want to pay uh, male speakers, for example, who are on my same level more than they pay me. Um, or they'll say, oh, she asks for too much money when I'm not I'm asking for the same <laughs> that my male colleagues right. are asking for. Um, they People will uh, ask me to talk about things that you know they'll want to talk, have me talk about lifestyle things and then they'll bring mm. in men to talk about the nuts and bolts of the way corporations work and the way the workplaces work again I'm, I'm generalizing this is not every client at all Yeah, right? it's just it, it comes up Um, yeah. you know I, I am quite involved with the TED organization and um, there are bullies everywhere and some of the people who attend TED are sexist or racist enough to make assumptions about you or be more likely to listen to provocative statements from a male than they are from a woman um they'll Mm -hmm. ask you for your bona fides and not the guy so you know it comes up all the time
0: you talked a lot about some of the good things that came with having a you know a steady gig with npr or georgia public broadcasting right benefits retirement plan all that stuff beyond all of that, is there anything that you miss about having that kind of um, that kind of full-time work? If I weren't in a job where I
2: interacted regularly with lots and lots of people, I would probably miss that. I, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. because I do work in a job where I'm constantly with people. but that would if that weren't the case, I would that would really be something that would stop me in my tracks. Um, I, I mean, I miss um, I guess I miss problem solving with other you know sitting down for those news meetings and hearing people's great ideas and um and I'm not sure how much of that is working for the broader organization of how much of that is just working on a radio show which I've done for 20 years so I kind of miss it a little bit um I miss uh I miss being part of something broader than myself I miss being able to see what the other departments are doing you know because um, they were all always doing really creative stuff, the education department, all those other things. I miss having creative people when you need something with, for your show and you go down to the, the PR and marketing department, and they were so creative, enthusiastic, and passionate. Um, so I guess w- what I really miss is the, the, the huge talent pool.
1: So now into like, the bad, I know. But so for me, I was going to say, <laughs> the, <laughs> for me, one of the worst parts of freelancing is the uncertainty of it, like, literally, like, yeah. not knowing if I'm going to have a job. And, you know, and I, I'm a really good salesperson, but I am not good at selling myself because I'm super astrology, too. And as a Scorpio, there's, <laughs> there's no part of me that I want to share. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so for you, like, what's the worst part about freelancing?
2: So, you know, I'm I'm in my 40, I'm 49, so I'm nearly 50 now. So one of the things I have learned is to be honest with yourself about what you're good about good at and not good at and then find the people who are good at that pay them well and let them do their jobs um Mm -hmm. so i am terrible at selling myself i am not good at schmoozing at all um and so i have this fantastic brilliant manager and she does that for me and she's incredible at it i'm not good at making a a, an adult budget
0: (laughs) Right. Same.
2: (laughs) So I found an accounting firm that I could afford uh, that that does that for me. So um, it kind of, for me, it takes away that worry that I'm going to screw something up. Um, And and again, I wasn't able to hire many of these people until I was three or four years in and I had built up a a cushion of of finances, you know, Um, because at the beginning I was just doing it all myself. Um, But in terms of the uncertainty, that can be uh, scary, really scary, because you're living Mm -hmm. on the margins, right? Um, Right. And so it's tough when you're trying to make a budget. And I mean, I got to say that creating a realistic budget, being real about what it's gonna cost you to run your business and how much you need to pay yourself. And that's how you sort of have to think about it. You have to think about it as though you're running a corporation and that corporation is giving you a salary.
1: Right. Um,
2: mm-hmm. And you have to figure out how much can they afford to pay you? How much do you need? Um, yeah. And so I, I did that very, very early on. And part of that, as I, as I mentioned, just comes from my age my advanced age and my maturity (laughs) um, (laughs) that removes a little bit of that uncertainty. And I just ended up, I would do lots of other things. I mean, freelancers, you end up wearing a ton of hats. You take on a ton of jobs. Yeah. And part of that is to
1: make sure you're making that magic number, the amount you need to make in order to keep going. Right. And Um, so what's the best part of freelancing? Is it setting your own salary or having
0: the best boss ever? Well, I do have the best boss ever. And if she's listening, I just want her to know I appreciate her. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a few things that
2: I really love about freelancing. I mean, number one, yes, I have control of my own schedule, which means that um, if I need a couple weeks off, I take them. Um, if I am exhausted, I take the time off. And I, I tell my employees, because that's what they are, is my employees, I'm not going to be answering the phone or email for three days. Mm. So unless it's urgent, if it's urgent, call me. Otherwise, see ya. Um, That's fantastic. In terms of self-care and remaining healthy, it's great and much needed when you're undergoing all the stresses associated with freelancing. Um, It's also great that I get to keep the profits of my work and choose how to invest them. Hmm. Um, I get to make those decisions. And another thing I might say is that I now get to employ I mean, I'm not a major employer, but I have a manager. I have an executive assistant, and I I hire a a PR firm and a book agent as well. And so I get to actually bring in income that pays other people, and they're all brilliant and talented Mm -hmm. and fantastic women. And I get to be sort of part of that
1: engine. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. So would you say that you – know that freelancing is working with for you or like how do you know if freelancing is working for you
2: um freelancing indefinite is definitely working for me and Mm -hmm. i i I think you're right to ask how do you measure that because there has to be some kind of roi a a return on investment right so um for me it's a question i i I went through and and did just the basic straightforward thing of what's the minimum i need to make in order to keep paying uh, my employees And have enough to be comfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. I found that number. And if I'm making that number, then financially, uh, freelancing is working for me. The other thing was, am I healthy? Yes. And um, up until this year, the answer was no. Mm. Um, I was having to work so much. I flew 90,000 air miles last year.
0: Oh, my Mm. gosh.
2: Um, And I was not healthy. (laughs) no so no. all that recycled air you couldn't have been oh Oof. god it's horrible oh. um so you know it has taken me some years obviously to figure out where that balance is and to become successful enough where i can now say i'm only gonna fly twice a month which i feel is still <laughs> a lot yes <laughs> but uh, if you saw my schedule from before you would faint um right but i can put those limits on it now and um Mm -hmm. that i wouldn't be able to do if i were not the master of my own destiny you know (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i appreciate that idea of thinking about measurable goals like how healthy am i as a goal that you achieve over time rather than a goal you sort of immediately meet right as soon as you sort of decide that you want to work for yourself and i bring that up as you know somebody my partner's a freelancer and we've had lots of conversation about like, what does health look like? How do we know this is sustainable? All of that stuff. Mm. And it didn't occur to me for a long time that like this is something you get after a while. You don't like immediately find it.
2: Mm. No. And you don't even know what those limits are yet. It yes. takes a little while to know, you know, like I I literally had to figure out how much sleep, do I actually need you know when you're you're working Mm. for someone else you spend so many years getting up at a certain time because that's when you need to get to work right but when you're making your own schedule it, it takes a little while to sort of figure out okay well if those limits are off then what is the ideal sleep schedule for me. Yes. A nap at two. Yeah. I mean, it maybe <laughs> if that's, if that's what your schedule is. And also I had to sit down and figure out, and you know, it's, it's funny. This is almost exactly what this, this next book is about that I finished writing. It, it was about figuring out how many hours can I actually focus every day?
0: Mm. If not, that not, is
2: so important. Yeah. If I'm not required to sit at a desk or in a radio station for eight hours a day, then how many hours can my brain focus?
0: Yeah. When
2: does this, the work start deteriorating and I need to get up and step away? Right. And mm-hmm. that, it just takes time.
1: Oof. Yeah. So speaking of books, so you've written a book about how to have better conversations too, yep. and a key piece of, of that is that being like a better listener, actually like paying attention to what the person across from you is saying or wherever their voice is coming from. But did you have to listen to yourself when you came to making a decision about being a freelancer?
2: Yeah, you know that's it's interesting. I'm a Buddhist, a practicing Buddhist, and I I my practice is based on compassion, and and in that training. The one of the first things they tell you is you cannot have compassion for others until you learn to be compassionate to yourself. Mm. And it's the same thing with listening because Mm. you cannot truly listen to others until you have learned to listen to yourself. And one of the things that blocks us from listening is that um, we're not truly aware in the moment and know what's going on. So we sometimes get distracted by our own thoughts um, and that pulls us away from listening to where if we are really paying attention even to what we say, which we don't, right? I mean, yeah. oftentimes <laughs> you'll walk away from a conversation and say, what, what did we talk about? Um, yeah. Yeah. We don't even pay right. attention to what we're saying, let alone
1: what the other person's saying. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm laughing because I did that at least twice today so far, <laughs> yes. We, uh, my family, we, have, we run
1: an Airbnb out of our home, and right now we have a family friend who's staying with us. And the other day he and I were talking about the internship he has here, working for T-Mobile and the stadium, the baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh And uh, he was saying that his boss is a really distracted person that uh, he was told even before his interview, it's a a little weird to work for this white man because he's not very focused and he almost doesn't pay attention to you when he's speaking to you. (laughs) And he said during the interview, he had that actual interaction where the dude didn't really speak to him. And he said, now though that I'm on the job, I recognize that he just has a lot on his plate. Um, And I said, do you think they need to hire him an assistant? And he said, well, I don't think he needs an assistant. We did just hire a girl. And I was like, wait, I was like, oh, I'm, and I busted up laughing. And he was like, what? And I was like, you, you know, you say he doesn't need an assistance, but they, you just hired a girl. You're almost putting the same into the same box. And he was like, I didn't know what I said. I didn't, he said, when you say it yeah. back to me, when you say it back to me, I hear it. And I see, I hear how that sounds, but wow. I didn't think of it at all that way. And I was like. You, if her job title is an assistant, bro, she's not supposed to do any of his work at all. Exactly, <laughs> girl. And the women in Sorry. your office
2: aren't supposed to be the one that plan birthday parties and bring in the cupcakes. No, away. but also you
1: have to, and you have to listen to what you're saying. Yeah, like if you're if you're gonna be living that light, you know, young millennial progressive, you actually have to listen to what comes out of your mouth, bro. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and not just millennials. It, it It's every generation doesn't listen to what's coming out that of their mouth. Nice. In fact, research shows that the smarter you are, the worse you are in conversation. And part of it is because you think you know what they're oh. going to say.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Ugh. So your listening
2: and, skills go down.
1: Wow. And
2: frankly, just one more thing in, in, in defense of millennials, not that you were attacking them. No, but, no, no. Um, millennials are actually better listeners than baby boomers.
1: Mmm. We're all cheering. We- <laughs> so,
0: yeah, know, we're excited No millennial
2: hate, please. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> I'm not a millennial, but I'm thrilled to I know that. A, I am a
1: millennial, so I'm amped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, okay, so, I mean, as we're talking about talking and not listening to yourself and having to listen to other people, um, you told us before that one of the ways sexism can show up for you as a freelancer, is you get lots of unwanted advice from men. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I can't say that without laughing. But I mean, how do you approach those conversations? I mean, I usually just don't engage.
2: Um, Mm, Fair. It's just not worth my time. Um, Every once in a while, I'll get really shirty with them and and say, you know, I, I, I've actually read that study. In fact, if you've read this, 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 and this, you know, these are the kind of things I came across when I wrote the book. You know, it's interesting. I actually had once where I posted an article that I'd written, and mm. a, a guy on Twitter responds and says, did you even read that article? He said hmm. this.
1: <laughs> God damn. And I was like,
2: he didn't say anything. I wrote that article, Brad. <laughs> so yeah, I've read it. Um, yeah, and wow. And then yeah, what did he say? Nothing. He did not answer yeah. back. Well, and the other thing is that when you when you you know when you actually study the brain, there's no good way to give unsolicited advice. Mm. Unsolicited advice is pretty much, well, almost always interpreted by the brain as an attack. We don't enjoy it, so yeah. it's best to. To not Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: is I think that probably really resonates with both of us yeah that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. it certainly feels that way oh yeah I feel attacked all the
1: time so (laughs) totally
0: (laughs) I mean one of the things that we've heard from other guests on other episodes is that they think about what it looks like to sort of stay on the job and try and change things from the inside do you ever feel like you've maybe stepped out of that fight because you work for yourself now
2: Oh yeah, and and yeah. I am totally open to my employees changing things, and I hope they do.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Oh yeah, it. I just, you know, I hate to go back to the battle metaphor, but it just felt like I was constantly battling, not just battling, but having to justify myself, and yeah. argue for myself, and be my own advocate. And I kept wishing, when am I gonna get a manager that is that advocates for me? Yeah. That doesn't come back to me and say what is going on with this, but instead says, "You know what? So let's know what she's talking about. This may seem a little, you know, unexpected, but let's let her try it out. Let's give it a go." Um, I would have loved management that trusted me like that, and I mm. and I felt I'd earned it. So yeah, it's it's much better because again, my boss trusts me implicitly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs>
2: And lets me fail over and over without giving me a bad performance review um mm-hmm. and allowing you to fail is is kind of what empowers you. I need to know I can try stuff out, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. you know what Edison has supposedly said I didn't you know invent the uh light bulb or whatever I found ten thousand ways that didn't work mm. um <laughs> And that's, you know, as much as Edison was kind of a crappy person, that's a great way of looking at it, that you fail 10,000 times, but they're all productive because they lead you to the right one. And that's the kind of support I don't feel I really ever had. Well, I don't want to say really ever had because one of my managers is probably going to complain and say, hey, and (laughs) more my lack of memory than anything else. But um, it was a battle all the time. All the time, for resources, for for uh, uh, changes to format, anything like that, it was always
0: a battle. You also think, though, um, it's probably not good for society overall if everybody who feels like they're constantly fighting to be taken seriously just decides to work for themselves. Like if everybody just sort of opts out and decides to work for themselves, you don't think that that's, that's a, you don't think that's good for all of us. If a bunch of us decide to do that, why not?
2: Well, I mean, look at it this way, you know, let me go back to my decision-making in order to, to come forward about John Hawkenberry at WNYC. I was well out of that situation. I was already, Preparing to work for myself when I made that decision, meaning that it, it, it didn't benefit me <laughs> yeah. to do that. But my thought process was, I wish someone had done this for me. I'm going to do for another generation what I, I needed from someone then. And if we opt out, there is nobody doing that. There's nobody protecting the next generation. There's nobody making those workplaces a better place and forcing them to change because they won't change on their own. Yeah. Um, there has to be somebody advocating and fighting and battling and it, or we will see no change, not just in our corporations, but in our Congress, in our representatives. Uh, everywhere you look, there has to be someone who is upsetting the apple cart because there were some rotten apples at the bottom (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Um, are you
1: hiring yeah (laughs) i'm just saying we know that there's a good employer out there somewhere
2: i am sure we're gonna find some more things i'm terrible at and we'll have to find someone else to do Um, (laughs) i'm just i mean i put in my 20 years so at this point i feel like okay let me pass on this baton um Mm -hmm. but you know that doesn't mean i you know freelancing in the end it may be i i may run the clock out on it i have no idea whether it'll continue to be a viable option for me
0: yeah. um
2: and so i'll have to make that decision
0: again at yeah. some point possibly do you think that working for yourself is something that potentially anybody can do no
2: um, not at all. I mean, i'm I'm lucky because again, I'm working in a business where I'm constantly having social interaction. One of the things I hear from a ton of freelancers. And frankly, this was true when I was a correspondent for NPR and I was had I worked for my home in Detroit, and anybody I interacted with was over the phone, right? It was lonely. Yeah, and even that's with like grabbing your kit and constantly going out to interview people. So you have to find ways to, have social interactions. Freelancing most likely will not work for you if you don't schedule in social interaction. <laughs> the other thing is that I am um very self-motivated. Um mm-hmm. so I don't need so- I don't need somebody imposing deadlines on me. I impose my own deadlines. Yeah. Um and that's not true of everybody. You're
0: and mom, freelancing
2: bro. will not work for you if you don't know how to structure yourself or motivate yourself or make deadline make arbitrary deadlines for yourself
1: Mm, Hmm. no i can i mean thinking of my mom and you having the same birthday i think about how my mom was like student body president and like class president (laughs) and like that's all because you actually know when you have to turn in the paperwork for that and um (laughs) i i every year was like i'm gonna try out for cheerleading and then every year would be like was that today was that yesterday <laughs> and, 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 and now, somehow, I freelance for myself, which, you know, obviously, I barely meet any diet deadline in the world. Um, and so one thing, so those are all things I'm terrible at. But you were saying that you're bad at like social media and logistics and scheduling in some ways. And um, <laughs> the list so, goes on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So how did you know that that was like your deal? Like, did you make a list of all stuff that you were good at? You know, what did you tell me? Yeah, I
2: basically What I basically did is one night I sat down and I listed every single skill that I needed to make my my business viable. Oh, my gosh. Every single one.
0: Yeah. And I did
2: that by writing down what are the tasks that have to be accomplished in an, in an average week? Mm. Like, what are all the things that need to be done? Um, and then I transferred that over into the skills. And, you know, we all know if we're being honest with ourselves and there's nobody else in the room we're trying to impress, you know, if you're good with money or not. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and oh, I
2: appreciate you, that. You suck it up and you find someone who's good at it. And you find somebody who's good at it at your price point because you can, you know? I mean, yeah. even if you end up hiring a, a graduate student who just needs a little bit of extra money, you can find the right person to do your social media. I'm, I'm fine at social media if it's like me um, commenting on an article or something. What I'm not good at is actually letting people know that I'm doing stuff or that I wrote an article. I'm not good at promoting
0: I think it's Mm -hmm.
2: maybe the same skill as doing the schmoozing that I'm so terrible at. Yeah.
1: It's just not my thing. Yeah. So what tactics do you have for someone considering moving into freelancing? Like, how should they think through this before setting them, you know?
2: I mean, again, am I assuming that they already know what it is they want to do as a freelancer?
0: Well, that's an excellent question.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They probably know. I mean, the average person, when they're talking about it, they're going like, I've looked at every other option and it looks like i'm going to be um making these backpacks on etsy um, yeah and what
2: i would say is don't <laughs> quit your day job yet okay. <laughs> D- start on the side because your business will start small mm-hmm. so keep that job with its security and with its retirement and its benefits until you have had enough months of continuous income that you know you can make it work and so I don't mean just mean like two months or three months. I mean, you've got like six, between six and 12 months, if not more, to show, okay, my income is not cyclical and it's not, uh, it meaning, okay, you can't base it off the holiday season, right, right. if you're making backpacks, because maybe you brought in. $40,000 over the holidays and then the mm-hmm. next three months you brought in zero well is right. that actually even kind of sustain you and pay your rent for the year no it will right. not so you need enough of a track record to really understand how much money you can bring in
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm. um, so make a business plan I mean I know it's awful and we all avoided statistics and all those <laughs> classes in college I get it but make a business plan Know what your budget is. Know what those tasks are that have to be completed on a regular basis. Know how quickly they have to be completed. And then quit your job when you have reached that minimum.
0: I am not a freelancer. I have worked in public media now for like 15 years. But I've heard from lots of folks who do, including my partner, that it can be really emotionally draining, particularly the uncertainty, like Eula talked about before, so what, what do you suggest for dealing with that piece of it? I mean, you have to practice some
2: kind of self-care. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for me, I schedule my time for meditation. Um, mm. I, I encourage people to schedule social time. I don't mean social time on your tablet or mm. your, your phone. I mean actual human interaction because that heals yeah. You know, loneliness degrades your internal organs. Oh, it my god! Shortens your life. It makes you more likely to get heart disease and diabetes and all kinds of awful things. So, you know, what? some. Yeah. Sorry. What to, are
1: we what are we headed for? What are you saying? You're saying it, that all of these kids are not communicating. I'm sorry. I'm a dual in childbirth educator. So all I ever go to nowadays is like these babies not getting talked to. What are you saying? What? Yeah,
2: the text communication, a text exchange does not fulfill any of the, the needs of a human being for social interaction. God damn. Zero. You have to hear a voice or have face-to-face interaction. So, part of the emotional draining part of freelancing, I'm convinced, is because of the isolation. Mm. Um so you have to schedule that time in. It, the other thing is is that you cannot work for hours at a time. Your brain cannot do it right so you have to this is true even whether you're freelancing or you're in a full-time job you have to um, take a break work for 45 or 50 minutes and then get up and walk around for 10 minutes don't get up and go look at Facebook because that's not actually resting your brain
1: or your body Mm. that's actually stressful so take a break so could you ever see yourself returning to to a traditional workspace and what would that workspace have to look like if you did Um, yeah, I absolutely, you know, most of my
2: life I have been in a traditional workspace. It's not like I've forgotten how to do it. Um, but I don't think I would go back disempowered. Um, I would make sure that, uh, I report who I, I would be very careful about where I was in the organizational chart and who I was reporting to. And, Um, what my measurable measurables was. And I'll tell you right now, I am not taking a salary that's less than men in my field ever again for the rest of my life. So if you're out there listening and you're about to offer me something, don't even think about it.
0: (laughs) Not happening over here. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, we've so enjoyed this. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, Celeste Headley, journalist, co-host of Scene on radios third season men also host of the upcoming PBS show retro report. Thank you so much for talking with us. We have learned so much. Mm-hmm. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for all the good questions. Ooh.
1: Thanks so much, Celeste. Have a good one. You too. Oh, oh wow. That was incredible. <laughs> yeah. And did you hear what she said about loneliness? Yeah. Girl, it degrades your internal organs. I know. I'm talking about, can we put that on a bumper sticker? Can we tattoo it on my forehead? Maybe not mine, Uh, but like someone who's available. uh, Listen, I have been casually telling every single person that I run into that fact. uh, And let me tell you, I'm scaring children. (laughs) I am shaming strangers. (laughs) It is, uh, you know,
0: it's happening. That's so funny. I'm doing the same thing. Like, I'm saying this and then I'm really reveling in the expressions on people's faces when they're looking back at me. It's like... (gasps) you're wise. And also, I'm a little afraid of you. It's kind of (laughs) great. For real. Well, aside from that, what else stood out to you? Okay. So, you know, I'm not a freelancer, but I'm still thinking about what Celeste said about unsolicited advice, that it is interpreted by your brain as an attack. That was so validating. And I'm thinking about my partner who's a freelancer and the amount of unsolicited advice they get about how to build their business. It's just kind of, oh, God, It's exhausting just thinking about it. And then also what Celeste said about how many hours of work anybody can actually do in a day, that honestly felt sort of revolutionary. Like, really be honest with yourself about how many hours of work you can actually do versus when the work starts deteriorating. I never think about my day like that. Right. Right.
1: How can you apply that to like you having a real job though like a nine to five
0: it's a re honestly, that is the thing I have been thinking about since we talked to Celeste like okay, how do I apply this in my everyday life? How do I apply this at my job because I feel like it's really important yeah, yeah what about you? what's stuck with
1: you what I mean, you know what stuck with me with this one the downside of freelancing and how if With all of these women leaving the workforce, it doesn't leave a lot behind to create change for the next generation. Mm. And, you know, one of my biggest goals in life is to make this place better for all of us, find some peace in some spots. And I do feel a little less empowered where I contract because I am just a contract, right?
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm going to feel some sexism, but I do, I'm really grateful for how I get to kind of filter it and you know, have choice over the contracts I take. You, on the other hand, I mean, you get to fight sexism regularly if you want to. I mean, I think KUW is a really fantastic workplace, but nowhere is perfect.
0: I mean, that's, you know, that is a really interesting tension that Celeste pointed out is that, like, on the individual level, freelancing can be a really good tactic, right, mm-hmm. to sort of deal with a sexist workplace. Um But when it comes to what the overall effect of that is, that's something I hadn't thought about before. What does that mean for, like, a traditional workforce when so many people get pushed out that there's not a lot of people agitating for change left over?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean. to do on that. Yeah. It kind of makes this next question feel really, really pertinent. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. So... In this long, uphill battle of fighting sexism at work, either as a permanent staff member or as a contract employee. (laughs) For real. If I pull my load, will you pull yours?
1: Hell yeah. Awesome. I'm signing that contract.
0: (laughs) One quick note before the credits. In this episode, we discussed allegations Celeste Headley and other women made about former radio host John Hockenberry. If you want to learn more about that, New York Magazine reported on those allegations. The article is called Public Radio Icon John Hockenberry Accused of Harassing Female Colleagues. And John Hockenberry wrote a response to those allegations in Harper's Magazine in an article called Exile. BTSW is a production of KUOW in Seattle. Our senior producer is Caroline Chamberlain Gomez. Brendan Sweeney is the director of New Content and Innovation. Special thanks to Michaela Kiner and Ruchika Tulshyan, who have been advising us this season. This podcast was inspired by the book Feminist Fight Club, written by Jessica Bennett. Our theme music was composed by Kessia Gordon. Our graphics designer is Tio Popescu. I'm Jeannie Yandel. I'm Eula Scott-Bino. Keep up the good fight. See you soon.